a more beautiful faith, unlearning, revisiting, questioning, and growing. I think this is called the Christian life. <laughs> I really think it is. If I can look back over the last 20 years, that's my journey right there. And today's topic, unlearning and deconstruction explored. Um, the reason I want to cover this is because last week I made a huge list of uh, all kinds of things that I think are worth questioning. And I'm not going to repeat it because that's another, to, to repeat the list is a whole new sermon, so I'm not going to do it. Go back and watch. And I think I copied and pasted it in one of the, one of the posts of where all the questions that I think need to be challenged. And there's more. I know there is. But those are the obvious ones that have hit me, that have altered and shifted my course of direction to discover a more beautiful faith, a more beautiful gospel in the words of Brad Jerzak, who I think is a really good at how he words things, and I, I value his heart. But this idea of the topic of deconstruction has scared people. And I've heard in the church world, uh, the Western evangelical world, and even non-evangelicals, that the term deconstruction is an evil thing, and they should sh run away from it. I'm thinking, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. So misconceptions again. So I want to kind of talk about what it is and isn't, and then some wisdom on how to journey through. And I think by the time we're done, uh, you'll either feel comfortable using the word deconstruction or choose another word that works for you because it may not be what we thought it was. Colossians 1. So we have not stopped praying for you since we heard about you. Pause there for a moment. Can we say that? Do we pray for one another? Like I had that prayer list uh, in my opening intro, and then one part said pray for everyone, as in each other. Are we? It's a good question. That's not a guilt trip question. This is a, like a wake-up call. Wait. Paul is encouraging us through almost every one of his letters. Pray for one another. Pray. I pray for you all the time. Maybe we don't know how to pray. That's another topic. I've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God, here it is, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Three things. First is com um, complete knowledge of his will, spiritual wisdom, and understanding. We have people that have spiritual wisdom but no understanding. And they're blabbing and blah, talking about it and it makes no sense because they have no understanding with their wisdom. So, and then the knowledge of God's will. God's will is not some little tiny diamond you got to find on this gorgeous five-mile beach of really fine sand. And God says, yeah, it's out there somewhere. It's up to you to go find it. And, you know, find my will and then, you know, we'll, we'll talk next. Good luck. <laughs> that's, that's not what God's will is. God's will is Jesus who is already in you. You have God's will in you. It's not that complicated. Religion has made it complicated. But that's another sermon. Let's keep going. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit, and not fruitcake. We're talking about fruits of the Spirit, just in case you're wondering. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. 
This learning to grow as we grow to know God better and better is all connected to these three things up here, to know his will, spiritual wisdom, and understanding. That is how we grow. And for each one of us, it's different. For an adult to a, a teen to the children, they're each at different levels of growing and learning based on what they hear and what they're absorbed and what they're able to process. But that's, this is the journey. That's what, what I call deconstruction, unlearning, or basic discipleship. You'll hear that in a few minutes. Um, honestly, this is, this is the beauty of growing deeper. In fact, the conference we just had, the forgiveness conference, it really did surprise me. It went much deeper than I actually expected. And not only did it go deeper, it stayed deep. As in, another person said the same kind of thing. Another person dovetailed into that. Another, it was like, what just happened? It was, it was much better than I could ever have asked for. And uh, it, it was like a deconstructing, relearning, unlearning false concept about forgiveness. And somebody's opening a door that we didn't know existed. I remember playing a... I don't tell anybody this, but I used to play a video game called Wolfenstein. Anybody remember that? <laughs> don't laugh too hard. But there are these hidden doors, and you move your mouse to a spot, and if you're lucky, if you get the right spot, you click, and, oh, it's a hidden door. Cool. And you get in or something like that. But there's these hidden doors of growth. There's these, these revelations that are waiting for us to see. Somebody just to put a light on it. And I think the conference put a light on a door of more. And that's what I'm trying to do with this series as we walk through this whole journey of a more beautiful faith. That you can see that your faith will become more and more beautiful because the faith that you have been given has been given to you as a gift from Jesus. It's got to be beautiful. If it's confusing and if it's... um, um, turning you into an angry person or bitter or um, that's not faith. That's not the faith of Jesus, okay? That's a false message being sent in from the sidelines. It's it's not supposed to be played with, you know? Let let God journey you through your journey, which I'll get to in the wisdom comments. John Stackhouse, this comes from Judy Bergman, posted this yesterday in her Facebook group. Um, I, I thought this was Perfect. Evangelicals in every place and time could use some healthy deconstruction, if by that we mean what evangelicals have always practiced. When at our best, careful Bible reading that prompts renewal and reform. Hmm. So let's not fear any honest criticism by our local questioners. Let us join them instead in holding lightly or even outright abandoning what isn't essential to the gospel. Let's also help each other, however, to reconstruct a faith built on the abiding word of God. Capital W, notice that? That's Jesus. Let's continually seek better theology, piety, and missional practice to move from deconstruction to a reconstruction more faithful to the gospel, the Bible, and the Lord. I thought, that, that's cool. This is, about, this is not just about deconstructing. This is about reconstructing, growing, still growing. And it's beautiful. All right. I want to read this to you today. This is from um, Richard Murray. He posted this today about uh, half an hour before the service started. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm sharing this. This, it, this, is, this fits it. 
because we all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different church backgrounds or no church backgrounds or really strict ones, stuff that had good stuff in it, but also had stuff that was like, oh, I didn't get it, and now we're questioning it. And this post makes sense. He writes, I call this death in the stew healed by a blessing. In 2 Kings 4, 38 to 41, the prophets had made a stew for their consumption. They eventually realized there was death in the pot, that it could not be digested. I wonder how they found that out. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Elisha then came on the scene and commanded that blessed meal be added to the stew, which immediately healed and sweetened it for consumption. Today, for many, the pot of God's image has death in it. It can't be digested. It is bitter and causes bitterness. It is poisoned with the lie that God is both good and evil, both love and wrath, both light and dark, both healer and afflictor, the death bringer. Satanic suggestion slips death in the pot by sowing the idea that God is depriving us of something desirable and blessed. But Jesus is the miracle meal that we can cast into our pots and know beyond all doubt that he is only and always good. No death is in or near him. Death was in the pot until the meal cured it. Death can fester in our image of God until Messiah cures it. Sprinkle Jesus' miracle meal over any form of death. Sprinkle it over our minds. Sprinkle it over the Old Testament. Sprinkle it over sickness. Sprinkle, sprinkle it over oppression. His life overflows our cup. <clears throat> that is good. You may have to go back and reread it yourself. I'll share the post later, but... Uh, I think as we look back, and maybe the stew that we've been served up had some good stuff in it, but it also had poison in it, and we didn't know. But then Jesus comes along and says, ah, I'm not going to let you stay sick. I'm going to bring good news. I'm going to heal your theology. I'm going to heal your life. I'm going to heal your thinking, heal your concept of who I am. And that's what Jesus did. He came to reveal who the Father was, the false concepts of who his daddy was. Richard wrote me back later. He says, uh, we've got to get that duality bipolar poison out of our corporate stew. <laughs> oh, yeah. I could, that's, a, that's another sermon, but we'll leave that alone. So let's talk about this deconstruction because maybe our stew needs to be deconstructed or healed. Deconstruction can be a word to describe addressing all the topics that I listed last week, but perhaps we need to take a look at the process and explore some wisdom so the journey is more smooth. Learn from others who've gone before you. I've watched people deconstruct well, and others not so well. And they've made a mess out of their reputation. They've made a mess of their character, all in the name of deconstruction. And therefore, deconstruction can get a bad name. Not everybody likes that word, and that's okay. I'll give some other options as we go. But most people are understanding at least what I'm talking about in this context. So deconstruction does not mean to destroy all you've learned. 
It's realizing or discovering that broken pieces have found their way into your theology or stew and need to be removed and replaced with the original parts, OEM. <laughs> original equipment manufacturer. So OEM automotive components are the official genuine parts produced directly by your vehicle's maker. I know I've put in non-OEM replacement parts into my cars over the years and some have failed miserably and I had to order the original and that's the way they set it up. It's a way to get money, but still, it's, it's the way they designed the car, so, or whatever. Deconstruction does not mean throwing out Jesus. That's one I hear all the time. Oh, they, you're just gonna, we're gonna become atheists or we're gonna not believe anything at all. Listen, Jesus is big enough to handle the questions. Just like the Stackhouse quote, this is about inviting the questions to allow the safe place, which I'll talk about in a bit when it comes to the wisdom part. In fact, that may be all you will be left with. <laughs> the question is, which Jesus? Our concept of who God is, which I'm going to cover next week. Deconstruction does not mean you'll become an atheist. <laughs> Although atheists are closer to discovering the real trinity than our fundamentalists and staunch religious people. The small g God they don't believe in, you will discover you don't believe in that God either. How often do I sit down with families when I do a funeral call as a funeral home chaplain? I, one of the first things they'll say is, we're not that religious. Uh, here we go again. <laughs> Neither am I. And they're, huh? they're kind of surprised by that. Or um, I find out that the God they grew up believing in is clearly that angry God we've talked about. That, that is not the real God. And so I offer them three gods. That confuses them again. So I say, well, there's the no God. Uh, you don't believe in them or you're really ticked off with God. So that's the one category. Or there's heavy God, you know, preach for a long time, make it a really long service, do an altar call, all that stuff. There's that God. And then there's diet God, God light, like Bud Light. They kind of chuckle at that. But the idea is uh, only the good stuff. And they go, ha ha, yeah, well, that's what we want, you know. The comfort of God and the love of Jesus. Well, yeah. Well, and then I say, that's all I have. So, which Jesus? Which God? Next week's going to be a lot of fun because some of you have, will remember so, uh, some of the previous messages on that. But uh, it's time to revisit our false concepts of who God is and who we think we are and so on. So, atheists, you'll quickly discover that they're usually pointing to a, a very messed up concept of who God is. Deconstruction does not mean you'll become a universalist, although is that really a bad thing? You'll never have your boundaries pushed on how far God's love and grace really does reach. <laughs> it's better than you've been told. And universalism, while it's been, even in the Bible colleges I went to, I went to three primary ones, universalism was supposedly heresy. And now I'm thinking, now that I, just, I actually study, I realize, hang on, we're friends. We're, in the, we're, we're family. Yeah, I'd rather be closer to an atheist, or sorry, a uh, universalist than a fundamentalist who God has set up. Some are going to make it, some won't. Sorry, you're damned to hell. That's it. Like, sorry, I'm going to pick the hope-filled side. But it's taken me a while to get there because we are conditioned by our communities we're raised in. Okay? We can easily get shamed by a word or a concept that we may associate ourselves with. So I, for a long time, I didn't use the word universalist because I knew some people would go, oh, then, you know, but now I don't care. 
finally I've gotten to a place of more comfort and being more stable in what I believe and see and can show and share. And I want to feed and help others who are also hungry to grow. So it's not that bad. Would it be so wrong to show up in heaven and go, whoa, this is more than I thought? Unlike getting to heaven and going, oh God, I so overestimated you. You're not going to say that. So God's love is bigger than what you already know. And if that universalist concept shows that God's love is farther and wider than you've been told, that's a level of consciousness that you're aware of. But the scriptures tells us that his love is even further than that. So who wants to set the boundaries? I think we have much to learn in that field. Deconstruction does not mean getting more answers right. This one's hard. Instead, you will gain more insight and wisdom from more ancient sources. You'll begin to become more comfortable with mystery rather than absolute cubbyhole theology. This is what I believe. This is what our doctrine says. How many, you know, how many churches have a statement of faith online or they're, here's what we believe. Ooh, that's all nice, but guess who that's for? Other believers who will agree with you. That's it. It is not for unbelievers. Think about it for a minute. Who is it really for? We're, we only want people who are not going to stir the pot. So we're just going to say, here, if you don't believe this, stay out. Stay away. Really? That, if you want to, okay, that's how I see it. They may have other motives, and that's nice, but uh, I don't think we should do that because how many times has your faith developed, grown, and matured? And the things you used to write and post and believe 20 years ago are not the same thing you believe today. So, I know a number of authors. So once it's in print, that's it. <laughs> You're stuck. You know, like remember Steve McVeigh, he wrote the book Grace Walk a long time ago. Well, his most recent one, you know, um, oh shoot, <laughs> what's it called? Beyond an Angry God. Well, that book was not well received, but he wrote in other books different theology. But it was a journey of progression. And there are other teachers, Brian McLaren, you know, he, he wrote a number of books years ago, and progressively it changes and grows and matures. Oh, maybe the Bible did that too. Imagine that. There's a progressive revelation that happens throughout Scripture, and then when Jesus comes, oh, it's now the floodlight's on. Okay? We take Jesus with us to the Old Testament. Oh, wait a minute. Um, yeah, and this is not about being right. Because you're going to be exposed to other perspectives you didn't know about, which should humble you and make you realize, oh, there's a legitimate perspective that I didn't know about that needs some respect. Just because I disagree with it completely, I must humanly respect them for their journey and their intent. There are good people who've studied scripture in the original languages that arrive at different positions. To say they're wrong, it's pretty arrogant, and yet we may feel inside they are wrong. Then keep it inside. Express teachability, humility, and look for the life of Christ in them. Okay? We can still be friends and disagree on topics. Yes, it's actually possible. Deconstruction does not mean what you were taught was all wrong. Instead, you will discover that it was incomplete and those who taught you didn't know. Anger may rear its ugly head, but the deeper you grow and the more compassion and understanding you will have and display. 
I remember growing up, uh, and well, even 20 years ago when I first discovered the concept of grace and, and my identity, I became angry with my upbringing. Oh, they were all wrong. Oh, they taught me wrong things. And well, 20 years later, I realized, hmm, I actually learned a lot of really good stuff. I really did. I learned my Bible stories. I learned, I, I, had, a, I, I had good examples around me of, of kindness lived out. I was too young to understand systematic theology, seriously. So to be angry is a pendulum swing of your journey of untaching yourself from some of the things you don't believe anymore. It's okay. People who are angry, that's a dangerous place to stay. It'll either make you bitter or it'll push you to growing and becoming more compassionate and gentle. You can tell where a person is pretty quickly. From Bill Thrasher, he says, the real point is that deconstruction has a connotation towards destroying the supporting building blocks, whereas these other terms, which are gonna be shared in a second, seem more intentional about breaking them down in a mindful fashion so that they can be, they'll be rebuilt into something much stronger and more stable. That's a really good way to look at deconstruction. Bill Thrasher likes the idea of disassembly instead of deconstruction. Now, I think, Drew, you sent me something. I forget what it was. Um, uh, just remembering it now, because after I first did this one, you sent me something right away. Oh, I can't remember. But anyway, the disassembly is one part. Okay, we're not, the parts are still usable. This is not about destroying. Lisa Couture wrote, she likes dismantling, which is funny, taking the ego the, the uh, flesh concepts out of your, uh, what you believe. Uh, renovation, yep. If anybody that does renovations, you, you keep what you can and you gotta replace some parts. Uh, rust built up on things and really wrecked it. You need, a, you need a replacement. Authentic discipleship, I think, is really what this is. Learning and unlearning. That, this is all, deconstruction is really just growing. Sorry. I know deconstructing may be a f- more fun word, but it's, it's basic, discipleship 101. <laughs> Maturing your language and terminology as you grow from stage to ta- stage. to stage. It's very much like the child, young men, adult, or young adult, adult stages we talked about in, in 1 John 2, I think it is, where terminology is different. Children want to use language for a topic. As you become a teenager, you don't use the kid language anymore. And as you mature as an adult, you're not going to use a teen or kid language. You, you just keep maturing your terminology. I think that's going to happen in your journey of growing. This is beautiful from Francois Dutoy. By the way, if you didn't hear his still growing grace message last week on, on Wednesday morning, go back an hour and 18 minutes of divine grace. I'm not kidding. Deconstruction and unlearning made easy. You don't have to extract the drought first. Let the water deal with it and watch the space transform naturally. Light dispels darkness effortlessly. And what I love about this point is we're not a, like last week I gave you a list. Well, don't let that list become, oh, I need to visit all these things and pick them all apart. Now here's the list to go through. No. Grow and understand who God is and discover God's love. And his love will hit all those parts and then you'll be ready to unlearn or learn whatever topic comes to you. You don't have to go searching. You can, but I'm just saying, sometimes our self-effort and trying to help the Holy Spirit out backfires. 
Deconstruction does not mean you will throw away your Bible. <laughs> People have thought that. Oh, then they're messing with the, the, you know, the scriptures. No, they're not. But you will discover that there may be better ways to understand how certain texts were translated. You may discover that men, humans, added and deleted words to make it fit their theology or cultural understanding at the time of the writing or the translation. Okay? Every single English translation is translated with a lens and a background mindset every time. Language constantly changes. That's why I love using multiple translations, because I think it helps us see and learn and grow versus the one, I'll just say, the you know, King James-only mindset of there's only one translation, it's the Bible Jesus used. Yeah, right. It does not mean you'll throw out your Bible. You'll discover that the early church saw things very differently than how the West sees it today. Uh, you, were never, you just weren't told. You'll discover that not all of the Bible was written to you, but it was written for you. Really important. You can learn. <laughs> You'll discover the Bible's not a single book. It's a library. You'll discover that there have been disagreements about which books should be in the Bible and which ones shouldn't be. <laughs> this should not stir fear, but rather hope. People say, well, it's in the Bible. Which one? The... Protestant one? Which one? Are you talking about the Orthodox Bible? Or are you talking about the Catholic Bible? They all have different books in them. Which, which one do you mean? Well, well, my background, that I believe in Bible. <laughs> like, it's not that simple. Which, which translation now? Which from the, the Latin or from the Greek? And which Greek? Like, seriously, it can go berserk. And so we can get frustrated and think, well, we'll just trust the scholars on that. I'll just, whatever they say, fine. They must have studied this research. Deconstruction does not mean you'll become new age. Instead, you'll discover, uh, you'll discover and, and you'll have enlightenment. I wrote that wrong. There'll be enlightenment, awakening. Awakening to what is true, but you can't see it. And then the Holy Spirit goes, you've read this verse your whole life. Now I'm going to wake you up to it. It's like Colossians 1.27. That was mine 20 years ago. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I didn't know that. I'd already been pastoring for seven years, and I didn't know Christ lived in me. I believed he was with me, and that he hopped in and out of me, or with me, when I was good or bad. I, that, that was my upbringing. That's how I heard it. Did my church teach me separation? Maybe not bluntly. Maybe that's just how I heard it. So we got to be careful about blaming others. You're responsible for today, right now, moving forward to find a better, more hope-filled perspective. The action of enlightening or the state of being enlightened, understanding, insight, education, learning, knowledge, awareness, information, on and on. We have this huge list. Do you want enlightenment then? I want enlightenment if that's what it means. It's not a scary word. Don't let... A movement hijacked the meaning of really good words. Just because some other religions have found value in, let's say, meditation and so on, does not take away from us needing to learn values in those things as well. Deconstruction does not mean you'll become progressive, although that's defined progressive. <laughs> Instead, you'll discover that what may sound new to you is actually more ancient and historical. 
accurate than the new teachings of the last few hundred years. The early church fathers are not from 400 years ago, but instead they go back to the few centuries uh, after Jesus. I can't believe how many people think that they're, they're, uh, the early church fathers started with Martin Luther. They're thinking, do you not know your early church fathers were all Catholic? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. That means there's history that has to be learned. Wisdom for the journey. Yeah, I can do it. Things I've learned, things that have been shared with me that I think would be helpful in our journey. Number one, grow in a safe place with trusted people who allow for every wrong question and response. Hmm. Maybe some circles are not safe to ask questions. Maybe. I, I, I hope that Hope Fellowship is a safe place. I don't have all the answers I used to. I don't anymore, thank goodness. But it's a safe place. But it also takes time to build that trust, okay? It takes time to trust somebody. And sometimes conflict will reveal how trust plays out. Conflict is not always bad. Sometimes it uh, stirs the water so you can see where the trust is, and then, ooh, that needs work, and you work on that. Don't process all your growth or revelations that are new to you on social media. Imagine that. Not everyone is at the same place you are. You may unwittingly do it in an angry way and then end up bleeding on people that didn't cut you. People have been angry about their theological changes and they just blurb it all out. They're wrong, I'm right. And uh, they actually start naming churches, naming people. Don't do that. Very unwise. This is, again, this is just wisdom. And uh, if it tickles your heart that, yeah, oh, maybe that's me, that, then I'm fine. I'm not talking to anybody. Because it takes one to know one. Just saying. This is all stuff I've walked through personally, and I mean that. Careful as you process publicly. Us versus them. Or I used to be with that church or group, but now I'm so much wiser. It's completely immature language that reveals your immaturity. This is not about trying to show others how mature you are getting or use it, use it as an in-your-face reaction. This is a hard one to, to digest because sometimes we still want to vent. But I don't remember Jesus venting. He only called out the religious elites who were incorrect. If there's anybody going to call him out, Jesus is kind of qualified. That was pretty good. But just think that through. Um, don't declare any new revelations, new to you, that is, until you've processed them and wrestled with them, researched and pondered. I've had this modeled by some mentors in the past. Just because you heard something cool, oh, that's so cool. Did you know God did this? Ah! It's like you're just parroting somebody else's comment. You have no idea how true it is. And again, that's okay, but the wisdom of quietly processing first, studying and researching, unfortunately, a lot of pastors and leaders or people who are trying to grow a ministry, that's the very thing they'll do because that's, they're, they're trying to keep growing and, and still grow their platform. Ouch. Hmm. Just be careful. That way, 
the message that you are learning becomes your message, not so-and-so's. And for a time, you may have to, you may be mentored by somebody, and it happened to me too several times, where I learned from a certain teacher. They're really good, and I know they studied, but I'm also studying myself with them and still relate to them. But after a while, that message becomes my message now. And then I am growing in this. And it's like, cool, and suddenly the family grows. It's pretty cool. Shock statements tend to be very unhelpful. Usually a call for extra attention. Once you start, you'll need to become more and more shocking until you're unbelievable or not trusted. A tone of humility, less dogmatic and gentle, will be heard by those who need to hear the good news you're discovering. Uh, here's, it's, it's called clickbait. You know, uh, there is no hell. That's a great clickbait. You know, because you'll get ticked off people and you'll have happy people and you get the battle going and you jump on somebody else's words and you use very strong statements on the front end. Again, takes one to know one. And I've been exposed to people who do it even more. It's funny how certain cultures, I won't say where, they tend to be far more flamboyant and shock statement, tension getting, and, and that's how they grow their online presence by just being... Constantly annoying now, looking back. I don't want that. I want the message that I share to be believed, to be honest. If I have trouble with it, I'll, you know, I'll share carefully, but be careful of those shock statements. And then responding to people who you disagree with, especially online, with a shock statement. Oh, look at everybody who sees this will see how smart I am. Oh, crap. Never done that. Nope. <clears throat> Do your responses to others blow up bridges or do you keep access open? Are you a bridge builder or a destroyer? This is really important. Are you the kind of person that doesn't care what anybody else thinks and just blasts and blasts and blasts? Or are you willing to let people come alongside? Or do you come alongside someone and ask them quietly? Do you respond to, uh, again, I got to use online on this one, how many times have you seen people have arguments, and usually it's in Christian groups that's the worst. They're just the worst. It just is. Um, they just have all these dumb arguments, and it gets really, oh my goodness. Well, do you ever think of private messaging people? So I don't want to post this publicly, but here's my question. <laughs> that's no fun. <laughs> yeah, but it's wise. Just thought. <clears throat> Do you try to connect with others uh, now that you know better, almost like rallying other like-minded folks, hoping they'll jump on board with your position? <laughs> Number seven, the thing that is being deconstructed, dismantled, or replaced is something that was never true to begin with. You should not be afraid of losing your foundations or faith. That's really important. And I learned this from the study of, about flesh and ego and, and living from... Uh, an ego position, that the things that we have to surrender weren't the real us anyway. <laughs> Same thing with deconstruction. We can be in a place of confidence, Christ in us, guiding us, that what is being unlearned probably wasn't true anyway. And we're still shifting and learning, or incomplete is a good word. To have to make it a complete untrue versus true is also not always helpful. Okay. Depends on the topic. Fear can cause you to stop learning. Don't worry, you won't deconstruct Jesus. 
The Trinity won't let you. They are big enough to keep your attention, to get your attention and keep it. Do you trust Christ in you? I do. And maybe that's where people need to start. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't know how close Jesus is to them. So anyway, um, I know some people say, I don't want, I'm done with all that. I'm, I'm, I don't want to hear another word about deconstruction. It triggers too many things in me. Or pick another topic. You don't have to be afraid. While it may seem like a scary, slippery slope, be assured there's a better, hope-filled perspective out there that you may not be aware of yet. How many people have been told, oh, you're backsliding. That's a slippery slope. If you believe this, you're going to run all the way down to this belief. Oh, that's like the classic response to anybody growing because they're thinking your thoughts for you as if they're really good at it, okay? So be careful. Even if you use that term, don't. You're not in charge of slippery slopes because sometimes it's a fun water slide. It will likely be more ancient than you know. There is hope. Others may throw labels at you as a way to put you down. Don't let the labels stick. Just like the story from Max Licata with the sticker. Remember that kid's story, the sticker one? Yeah, that, don't let them stick. Oh, you're, you're a deconstructionist. That's a label. You go to that denomination. That's a label. Let's start losing the labels. Uh, David Hayward, naked pastor, had a quote up last week that was just perfect about labels. Don't, don't allow yourself to be so bought in with a label that will likely stick once you uh, say, that's my label. It's like being a pastor. When I meet these funeral families, this old Reverend Mike or pastor, no, just Mike, please, just Mike. I'm a normal person. <laughs> labels. Suddenly, we become more human to each other. Uh, the maturing process is not something you do or search for. It finds you. That's pretty cool. Number 11, point people to Jesus to grow, not to you. Oh, if you, I'll show you how to grow and learn. Come to me, and I'll give you a heavy burden. <laughs> like, you are not trying to build a platform or fill your ego. You are pointing everyone to learn from Jesus. And there's two teachers that I know right away that are amazing at that, Francois Dutoy and Brad Jerzak. The most humble hearts. I love them for it. There appears to be no rival. There is an incredible journey, and it can be painful, unsettling, stress-inducing, and liberating all at the same time. So if you're feeling any of these emotions, I think David Hayward had another cartoon um, of a doctor prescribing deconstruction to a patient. So okay, symptoms could be <laughs> unsettling emotions, stress. <laughs> I thought, that's exactly right. And not only is that going on, but in the pandemic time, not only are we stressed about relationships and world mixed messaging, all that stuff and the extra fighting going on. Now we also have faith issues that we're still wrestling and growing in. Look, God's got you. Just chill. You don't have to understand it all. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live this earthly, in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's new living Passion Translation says, my old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives. 
And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered, here it is, by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me, dispensing his life into mine. Last slide from the First Nations version. My life is no longer my own. For my life belongs to the chosen one who lives in me. The life I now live in my weak human body, I live by trusting in the faithfulness of the Son of the Great Spirit who loved me and gave up his life for me. Whew. That's a lot of slides. <laughs> but it's real. Don't be afraid. Trust the faith of Christ in you to guide you. He's growing you. He's growing me. And none of us arrived. I need you. You need me. We need each other to grow. Those watching online, we need you too. We, we need all of us because each person adds something to the wisdom pot. Just so you know, we're one body. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, will you be our light to light our path, to guide our steps in our journey of growth? We don't need to help you out. You're the one speaking to us. And you're the one who puts desires in us to want to study a certain topic or not. So Father, teach us how to rest in you, but also teach us how to hear your voice in us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.